I'm Marty Dodson. And I'm Clay Mills. Welcome to Songtown on Songwriting. We've got a very special interview today. It's with Fred Mollen. Um, Fred's a legendary record producer, film and TV composer. He's Walt Disney Records' most successful lullaby album artist. Um, he's been involved in tons of uh, albums from Disney movies. And during the pandemic, he decided to create an album of children's music for his grandchildren that would uh, inspire and encourage them. It's called It's Great to Be a Kid. So we're going to be talking to him about all of that. So if you're interested in that world of Disney and children's writing, I think you're really going to love what Fred has to say. So we'll dive right in. Welcome to the Songtown Studios, everybody. We've got a very special guest. Fred Mollen is here. Fred is a renowned Disney music producer who has done... Some amazing, incredible things. We're going to talk about a lot of those. He's um, produced and worked with tons of great artists and songwriters, even some boxers, I think. And uh, I was blown away when I read on your your uh, bio that you uh, produced Sometimes When We Touch. That's amazing. Well, you know, um, Matt McCauley, uh, who's still my best friend, and, and I were partners as kids producing, and we, um, we produced uh, – four Dan Hill albums out of Canada and the third one had some times when we touch on it and um, it follows us around to this day. And uh, you know, we're very proud of it. Of course, we're proud of the, the mark that it, it, it made. Um, and uh, you know, it, it's one of those records that, uh, you know, it actually, you know, on many levels, we, you know, Matt and I both felt like, wow, this is sort of, you know, you know, this is a very emotional song, you know, probably not the kind of thing I would listen to at home. At the same time, it was sort of like your song or Elton John or something like that. To me, it was that kind of song. Um, and uh, Barry Mann co-wrote the lyrics and, I'm uh, uh, sorry, he co-wrote the, the song, he wrote the music and Dan had written the lyrics previously. And what Barry added to that song was that sort of Elton John, your song thing. And um, it really made it obvious to us. And back then, you know, things were possible. We actually believed it could be a hit because it was possible for it to be a hit. Yeah, and it became one of the hundred most played songs in the history of American radio, which is which is amazing. Unbelievable. I mean, again, you know, we were very young, very precocious kids. Yeah. That's one of the things I love about songwriting is that you just never know when the, a, a day will be the day that that something happens that changes your life or changes other people's lives and all that stuff. Well, let's, I'm going to pretend that I'm asking on behalf of our listeners, but I am super curious about uh, your work on Disney product projects and children's projects. And we'll talk about your CD in a little bit, but how did you get started in that realm? Like with the Disney stuff, I guess we could start there. Well, I mean, you know, it's interesting. I, I really have led about a thousand lives, I guess. Um, and I've, uh, you know, from, um, uh, a very early start as a performer and then falling into production as early as 1974. Um, and then around 1985, I fell into TV and film composing without ever expecting to. And it wound up being incredibly successful for me uh, based out of Canada, um, where I did a lot of US and Canadian work as a TV and film composer nonstop for about 15 years. And um, right near the last few years of me doing that before I was burnt to a crisp, I got a phone call from Jay Landers, who um, has always been sort of a great support system of mine. Um, 
uh, always has been an A&R man with great ears and uh, in different companies and would always bring me in on things. And I've always been thankful and grateful to him. And at this point in 98, he was working for Disney uh, at Walt Disney Records as the head of A&R for Walt Disney Records. And that was more, there was a Hollywood Records part of Walt Disney Records, which was more, quote unquote, the legit company. And then Walt Disney Records was really for, you know, infants and up until, you know, uh, what they called the Miley Cyrus tween type stuff that was happening when I got there, um, or right before I, uh, I got there right before that. And so he called me one day in 98 and said, I have an idea for um, an album of just like Disney songs and maybe a few other outside songs that are classics done very simply as piano and guitar with strings, but done as lullabies, instrumental lullabies. And that was my first entree into um, working for Disney as a uh, for hire producer and arranger and an artist. And, you know, over the next bunch of years, I did a ton of work for them. <clears throat> and then Jay actually left um, in 2004. And he sort of did me a solid and he told his boss, the chairman, that I would be the right guy to replace him because I knew so much about making music for kids. And uh, I took the gig. I mean, they offered me the gig to, to run A&R of Walt Disney Records out of Burbank. And so I didn't sell my house in Nashville, but I moved there for almost a year and a half. Uh, LA is one of my homes in many of the, on many levels, but um, I moved back to LA for a year and a half and ran Disney's A&R for a year and a half. And it was really, you know, again, I did tons of projects. So you know, we're talking probably about 40 or 50 albums that I personally was involved with um, either writing or producing or just overseeing. And, um, and then after that, I, I wanted to go back to freelance and I went back to Nashville and um, occasionally still do work for Disney. But, um, you know, it was, uh, it's interesting you brought the kids stuff up because it's just, it's a, a chapter of my, of my career that I don't get to talk about very much, but I've always really loved the fact that I've been able to to do really well with uh, music for young children. What do you think are are some of the keys to writing for children? Well, you know, you're. I think you're a great songwriter, and um, and I worked all my life with great songwriters, and I am a songwriter. Although I have to tell you that my songwriting got stunted for many years when I started producing Jimmy Webb at a very early age because I'd go home and try to write a song and I'd throw it away, you know, and I'd say, <laughs> I'd say, why bother writing a song? I just worked with Jimmy all day in the studio, you know? I so um, I got to tell you that it, there seems to be, for me, I had an affinity for writing simple, you know, songs that didn't speak down to children, but that they would have fun with or feel comfort with. And uh, it seemed sort of reasonably effortless for me. I don't know why I just, I just found that the keys to writing the music for, for uh, kids music was just to make it, you know, obviously hooky and, 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 and not go over their heads, but not go underneath either, like not, not play down either. And so I did a lot of, a lot of music for kids and, and it came naturally. That's awesome. I was, a while ago, I was listening to your song, to your new children's album and I, I had been playing on my phone and I got in my car and I forgot that my phone would just connect to my car. And so I'm driving along and driving in a car comes on, <laughs> <laughs> but it's very appropriate, very appropriately timed. Um, talk about some of the Disney movies that you've worked on. 
Well, it's interesting. You know, uh, um, I think there's a misconception. I worked on what we called the auxiliary albums um, for soundtrack albums for projects like Cars and uh, Ratatouille and Lilo and Stitch and um, uh, the TV show Handy Manny and all these kinds of projects that I, that I have done. And um, it wasn't, they weren't part of the soundtrack of the movies. So I actually didn't work on those movies. I, I was called upon generally to write these auxiliary soundtracks. So for instance, they'd be called music inspired by the movie Cars. And we would do, I'd write songs about cars. I'd find songs about cars. I'd bring in, you know, different singers for each song. Like Chris Stapleton sang a couple of great songs for me on Ratatouille's inspired by album way before he struck. And they're, they're lovely. Um, and uh, we had some other wonderful talents over those the course of all those kinds of albums. Yeah. What about, let's talk a little bit about um, like what kind of advice would you give people that are trying to get into the world of writing for kids music? It's interesting. I don't know. I mean, I don't know the market that well. Um, you know, I knew, I knew the world of Disney and even that has changed greatly because now we're really in a streaming society and the children's music was always a gift. You'd give the gift of the actual product to the children. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I'm at, you know, I'm, I run my own record label now with Lee Shockey, who's my partner called Melody Place. And um, we've put out this album, It's Great to Be a Kid, which is my first sort of solo kids album um, uh, just recently. And, you know, I'm learning now what the, the territory is and the terrain is now in 2021 of how to, you know, to first of all, sell kids' albums. So to answer your question, I don't really know how I can suggest that people who write great songs for children can find their way, but certainly there are, there are labels that do seem to be more kids-type labels. They're small, mm -hmm. but you know, if I was writing songs for kids, I would, I would go to those labels with my demos and I would say, what do you think? You know, I mean, that's, that seems like the only avenue to do it. The major yeah. labels, major labels aren't interested. You know, it's a it's a niche market, and uh, you know, uh, and Disney wouldn't be interested either. I mean, they're barely putting out anything now, because yeah. things have changed so drastically. They just put out uh, old old product, or they they do soundtracks basically. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I, was, I would suggest that listeners, we will have um, information in the show notes about how to um, check out. Fred's music and his new CD, Great to Be a Kid. So you, um, if you're interested in that area, I'd recommend you check out those songs because he's got some great ones, including the Kitty Cat song, one I'm going to play for my grandson called um, Let's Clean the House. I know his mom will be a big fan of that one. You know what? Uh, the, yeah, the song Let's Clean the House with mom and dad, um, with mom or dad. And uh, yeah, that's, that's one of my granddaughter's favorites. She, you know, they, they like the they like the up tempo ones, you know, because yeah. it's, it gets them smiling and dancing. Exactly. Well, let's talk a little bit more about um, some of because you were telling me you've produced and worked with some great songwriters. Jimmy Webb, you mentioned. What are some of the other um, songwriters that you really admire that that you've worked with? I, I, I've had this. I mean, again, honestly, I feel like um, zealot at times because I've had so many careers. Some people know me as the film and TV guy, especially because I did a lot of horror movies like Friday the 13th part seven, part, part eight. And I did the Friday the 13th TV series. I did, 
you know, episodes of The Outer Limits. I did, uh, you know, Forever Night, the vampire series for three years. So I do a lot of, uh, I've, I've had a lot of lives. And, and in that time of my life, I did a lot of that work. So that, of course, is completely opposite to the kids stuff that I did, um, which is really incongruous uh, uh, situations. Uh, uh, but as far as the, you know, what I'm also known for, which I'm enormously proud of, is that it seems like a lot of the great songwriters have entrusted me to produce them doing their most famous works. And it started with an album called 10 Easy Pieces by Jimmy Webb, which I created the concept for um, of just Jimmy on piano, basically just doing his most famous songs for the first time ever on one album um, of his interpretations. And it's a very powerful emotional record. And that begat me doing Christopherson's album. Um, we did his almost like a Bob Dylan sort of vibe and Blonde on Blonde doing his most famous songs. So Christopherson considers that record his gravestone. Um, it's called The Austin Sessions. I produced Barry Mann, who had co-wrote sometimes when we touched, and I had become very close and still am with Barry. And I did an album called Soul and Inspiration, um, which came out on Atlantic, um, I think around 1999. And that's Barry doing his most famous songs, like On Broadway, Somewhere Out There, Here You Come Again. I mean, and you've lost that love and feeling, which is the most played song in the history of radio, which he and Cynthia wrote um, with Phil Spector. And uh, I did a duet, you know, again, on very unplugged album. And I did an unplugged duet of Carol King and, and Barry uh, doing that song. That's a beautiful version of that song. Oh, wow. So, um, wow. so, and also recently I produced Lamont Dozier, who of course was part of Holland Dozier, Holland, who wrote every Supremes hit, um, all the Four Tops hits, um, Martha and the Vandell. I mean, like you name it, they wrote it. I mean, it, it literally probably, the album I did with Lamont, which again is an unplugged, um, sort of revisiting his old songs. I would say that's the most historic record I'll ever produce because literally the Beatles and Motown changed the world and uh, Lamont wrote the songs that changed the world. So that was uh, deeply heavy to produce that record. And he's a doll and he had a ball, you know. And that album is called Reimagination. Beautiful record. Wow, I'm gonna have to check out all these. Um, and, I mean, and, there's, and, there's, and there's other songwriters I've done too. I mean, I've done J.D. Souther, who's one of the greatest singer and songwriters. I, I got him to do his most famous stuff, all the stuff he wrote for the Eagles, et cetera. And that's a beautiful record uh, called Natural History. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm very proud to have done a lot of these because it's so deep when these guys or gals trust me to, to, uh, to do this kind of record with them. Yeah, that is amazing. I mean, 10 Easy Pieces, I've, I must have listened to that 5,000 times. I mean, just as a songwriter, it's such an inspirational record. Um, I, you said it intimidated you to write to, to have done that, but I, I put that on. Well, actually, I'm, no, I had produced Jimmy way before that. I, I had produced oh, really? two albums. Yeah, I produced two albums as a kid. And then we did 10 Easy Pieces in 96 after I'd worked with Jimmy for almost uh, 15 years. And um, he was going through the worst time of his life and I made that record to save his life. And uh, thank God it did. And, uh, but the amount of emotion that was going through him during the making of that album uh, channeled something that was way more powerful than we could ever have imagined as far as just a uh, you know, uh, I mean, because he was going through such a catharsis and such, such hard stuff, and uh, 
it comes out emotionally. That's why people have the attachment to that album. Oh, it inspires me as a songwriter, but it also inspires me to perform my songs with more emotion and passion, you know, because just you can feel that when you listen to that record. And if, if anybody out there has not heard that, I, I would encourage you to listen to that straight. Well, away. I'm also, I'm very proud to tell you that it's, uh, um, it's, it's 25th anniversary in October. So um, I, I have spoken to Universal and we're going to do a, a digital uh, deluxe edition with uh, uh, and with a whole nother bonus album, and the bonus album are just the instrumental track mixes, so you oh, can cool. hear this incredible piano playing of Jenny's. Wow, that's awesome! And also, you know, it never came out on vinyl, and we're putting the vinyl out as well. Oh, I'll be getting that. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. I'm looking I want, I want to have one just for me, you know? Yeah, me too. Well, yeah. tell me about Melody Place. Like, what, what's kind of the mission for your label, and what are you doing there? It's interesting. When I did the Lamont Dozier album in 2017, in 2017, I, um, it was financed by this woman, Lee Shockey, out of Memphis, who's a great patron of the arts and an industrialist. And... Um, she financed that album because she knew Lamont and she had heard about me through, uh, was introduced uh, to me by Jerry Beckley from the band America, who I work with. And um, Lee's just a wonderful person. And, and in doing Lamont's album, we wound up talking and I just said, you know, I've always wanted to make a record label, you know, like from the ground up. I'd like to sort of have a label that's small but powerful and I'd like to initially, I, the mandate was to sign um, legacy artists who maybe didn't have um, a label at, anymore or at the time, um, but then bring in a great concept for them as well, because um, that was sort of the initial mandate. And then we started to, see, you know, I just could not help myself, but I found some other artists that were really worthy who may not have been quote, the legacy artists I was looking for but people who I felt deserved a, a record with a strong concept. So, so initially we signed Mandy Barnett and we signed uh, Lisa Mills uh, out of Alabama. And, uh, you know, but then we signed Jackie Ivanko and I'm working on an album with Jackie. And, uh, and then we've, uh, and then we did my kids album and I'm just about to sign Carla Bonoff, which is wonderful. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's sort of the mandate for, for the, for the label, you know, um, uh, and that's, you know, uh, we, we veer off the mandate a bit, obviously, with my kids' album. What keeps you, you've done so much in your career. What keeps you motivated and inspired to keep creating, producing, writing, and all the things you do? You know, all my life, all I ever wanted was a life in music. Um, and I never really, I never was in it for the money. Uh, I, the money was delightful when it was good. Um, but it wasn't the reason. My reason was I couldn't really do anything else. It was sort of like a calling, like the priesthood. You know, I just, I felt like I was basically just able to only do one thing really well, and that was music. So from a very early age till now, I just love my life in music. And, and when I go into the studio or start a project, um, I'm still as excited as I was when I was 20, 18. That's awesome. I, I, don't, I don't know why. I mean, I just literally... My enthusiasm, I guess if my enthusiasm ever ends, I guess that means I'm over, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, you run into a lot of people that have been in the business a long time. They're kind of jaded and 
and cynical. So it's um, it's nice to meet someone who's still excited about what they do. It 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 is um you know it is my great you know it's certainly my great love outside of my kids and, and stuff. Um, you know that that I get to make music every day on some level is is the greatest you know my greatest uh, blessing you know. Yeah. Um, it's and, and I and and I guess you know the, the one thing I know that they're gonna they're gonna punish me, meaning my partner and the people who work for me at the label. Um, we have to at least you know just say something about this. It's a, it's great to be a kid because it's really the first time I've ever stepped out. You know, even the Disney albums really were not really, you know, me f- sort of full out there as Fred Mullen. It was always small letters, you know, mm-hmm. uh, this record. I didn't really even want to come out, but I had written songs, you know, and this is this actually answers your question about, um, you know, why, you know, am I still enthusiastic? And the answer is even during the COVID stuff, uh, and I was sequestered here uh, in Nashville alone for a lot, a lot of months. And... I have two young grandchildren and they're in Toronto and I just decided I would write a song a day for them that would just be songs that would give them some comfort and smiles that talked about all the different things they'll be experiencing as they grow um, uh, from being a young child and, and all the new things they'll experience. And so I just wrote a different subject song every day, demoed them and then recorded, I went to the studio with three or four great um, sort of voice actors and singers and myself and, um, and great musicians and my engineers. And, and we did a great inexpensive but beautiful album. And then my partner heard it and she said, oh, we got to put it out on the label. And I was not going to do that because I felt it was self-serving. And I really had done it in a, as a, glo- a sort of grandiose gift to my grandchildren and 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 other children who might be, like I said, would might uplift them during a pretty rough time, and um, and but I am very proud of it, and and I do want people to give it to their children, and I want grandparents to give it to their grandchildren, and caretakers to give it to their children that they work for, and um, I think it's a very special record to me because because it is probably the best thing that I do in the sense that it does such good, you know. Absolutely. I've got a grandson that's three that I'll be sending one to and a daughter that's a teacher that I will, I will send one to. But um, I love what it says um, on the press kit for the album is new fun songs about life and living help young kids struggling at home during the pandemic look forward to the future. I think that's, you know, so, so many times during this, I have thought about my grandson and he was like, what's the future going to be like for him? How long is this thing stuff going to last? You know, and, and so it, it's great to have songs of hope and and fun and excitement to to share with children so thank you thank you i mean that well that really means so much to me and 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 like i said it you know when you look at all the music i make uh, in different ways i i guess there's nothing more important on some level than the music you do for children because if it comforts them and inspires them and you know gets them through this hard time as an example that's really the best thing i can do that's the closest thing i can i can do um because uh, uh, I've always wanted to help educate, you know, so that's as close as I get to being an educator. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing your story and your music and all that. And we'll have all those links in the show notes for people that can check it all out. It's fantastic. Thank you so much, Mark. You're welcome. Take care. All right, buddy. Thank you.
All right, I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, Fred was just such a genuine and kind, caring person and so humble with all the amazing things he's done. I encourage you to look up his bio and his information in the show notes. And uh, if you have a little person in your life, uh, share that children's album. It's great to be a kid with them. Uh, We're going to play you a song. This is a song uh, by Songtown member Jim Carnes called Poor Town. And I just love the simplicity and the heartfelt nature of this song. So I think you're going to enjoy it. Nobody drives a new car here Got no Cadillacs, no fancy trucks either Nothing but bad roads, ain't been paved in years Nobody drives a new car here It's a poor town Little run downtown But that's okay by me It's where I'm from And when I'm done They're gonna lay my body in the ground And there'll be one less poor man around In this poor town Textile mill burned down late last year Gonna build a new one, at least that's what I hear Not much to do now, but sit around drinking beer Since that textile mill burned down last year Yeah, it's a poor town Little run downtown But that's okay by me It's where I'm from And when I'm done They're gonna lay my body in the ground And there'll be one less poor man around In this poor town And I don't mean to say it's all bad But this old place Is all I ever had It's a poor town A little run downtown Hey, but that's okay by me It's where I'm from When I'm done They're gonna lay my body in the ground There'll be one less poor man around In this poor town It's a poor town Yeah Hope you enjoyed Poor Town by Jim Carnes from Songtown Alright, we've got a clip coming up of Clay talking about lyrical opposites that I think you're going to enjoy and learn from, and then I've got something to add to that at the end. Today's episode is all about lyrical opposites. So if you look at those titles we just heard, I hate myself for loving you. Beautiful mess. 
Nobody in his right mind would have left her. Beautiful songs, they're all with lyrical opposites in the title. I really feel like lyrical opposites are a great way to add interest and emotion to songs. And it's really been overlooked a lot. But all the great songwriters do it from time to time. So it's a really good tool to put in your toolbox. Okay, but there's a lot of ways to use opposites in songs. And it doesn't necessarily have to be literal opposites in a title. Sometimes the idea in itself has an implied opposite. Think of the song by Beyonce. If I were a boy, even just for a day. Okay, if you're familiar with Beyonce, you know that was not her. That was me because we don't have permission to use her clip. But back to Clay. The opposite there is the fact that she's a girl and she's singing if she was a boy. This week when you're listening to music, really try to notice opposites. And when you're writing, try to put them into your songs because it's going to give your songs depth. It's going to give your songs more impact. And it'll make you a better writer once you master this new tool. Another tip for using opposites in your music is you can take the chart in whatever genre you're writing and look at each song and figure out how to write the opposite of that song or the response to that song. So like if it's a girl saying to a guy, um, why did you leave me? Maybe the guy's response is, um, I just can't take it anymore, you know, or something like that. But you can uh, flip those hit songs around and just think about what the other person would respond back with if they heard that song you know whether it's a positive love song or a breakup song or whatever um, doing that little opposite trick can give you some great ideas hope you've enjoyed this episode uh, be sure and check out fred's uh, kids cd the information on that will be in the show notes and uh, we're grateful to be on the american songwriter podcast network so check us out there We'd love it if you rate us, subscribe, follow, do all those things wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks for sharing a half hour with us today. We hope to see you next Tuesday.